All right, everybody, welcome in to the, not Country Roads Confidential, but the Twitter space hosted by Mike and myself. I think we have finally figured everything out, how to get it set up, how to talk, how to listen. Um, and I appreciate your patience because we're figuring this out as we go along. New fancy tech for a couple boomers over here, but we're looking forward to it as another way for us to discuss WV football and athletics with all of our fans and another avenue for us to share information. Um, so we are one week into fall camp. Mike, who can unmute himself here in a second and join in, has been able to see, I believe it's three practices so far, spoken with most of the coaching staff, several players. Mike, anything specific standing out to you after one week? Anything anything different? I mean, I know it's one week. It's half the time, no pads. You're not seeing much when you're there. But anything really catching your eye? Well, thanks, Chris. Um, it's hard to say because you're, you're kind of like, I don't know, you're kind of enchanted by actually being back in football initially, you know? Um, hey, it's it's back and it's real, and these are the practices that actually count. It's not like the spring is counterfeit, but these are the ones that actually go towards stuff that's that's coming pretty quickly. Because even in the spring, you have months and months and months of the first game of the season, whereas now you got weeks, days. Now you're counting down, so that's a little bit different. And then you, you're out there, and you're like, man, this is cool, and everything really matters. And you, you try not to um, apply the same logic to it that you would apply in the spring, which is when you're like, eh, it's not a big deal. But you try to overcompensate and say that everything matters, especially when it's so early. But what you do notice is that they're really focused on just like a finite number of things, which is probably pretty good news because like the work they have to do, that to-do list isn't terribly long, which is a pretty healthy thing for a program. And position battles like right tackle or cornerback, and those are really the only two open ones. I mean, quarterback you may disagree with, but really one on offense, one on defense – and you kind of know who's going to be there. It's not like they're just looking for people who can play. They're just trying to pick a starter. So that's good. And then you just realize that they're just kind of focused on the things that normal healthy programs are focused on, which are you know, fundamentals and, and scheme and situational stuff like how do we get better on third down running the ball? How do we get off the field on third down when it's third and medium? And if you can focus on that stuff, you're in a pretty good spot because you can accomplish those tasks faster than when you're kind of spread out trying to do other things related to personnel and the depth chart and you know, kind of ancillary extra tasks. So their, their focus is pretty narrow on, on things that you got to be good at, but things you want to worry about and want to spend time on this time of year. So I think that's a good sign. Probably an obvious um, indication of, of not a whole lot else going on, though, too, right? Um. Not a whole lot going on, you say, but I, I believe it was a you casually threw it in on paragraph like four of your Saturday practice recap of a two deep. Um, now, not official, of course, practice, and they always like, you know, be aware that they rotate guys in. You're going to see second teamers getting some reps with first team. You're going to see third teamers getting reps with second team and, and switching around it. Obviously, that makes sense. It's not fair to to really evaluate somebody if they are routinely and always playing say third team how do you know how good they are if they're always playing on third team you want to try them out in different spots but you got to look at uh, again not official but a little bit of a two deep and for our vip members that's on the board but there were a couple things that certainly caught my eye um 
Would you like to pick one of those? And let's see if it's the same as the one that caught my eye. Huh. Okay. Um, just one out of all of those. Probably the fact that Yates was the right tackle one. And I think that if you want to add a significance to the two deep from that day, that was on Saturday. Remember, they had Friday off. The coaches aren't off, though. So they sit together and they look at it like, okay, what happened Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? And then you put together a plan for Friday. And if all of a sudden the guy is your number one at a position who wasn't there before or who was in a competition before, maybe you're thinking that something from the film from the first four days, it stood out. And all of a sudden, hey, let's let's give him a workout at one and see what happens. So to be honest with you, Chris, like that's the one that jumps out to me because it's an answer. And it's not the answer, but what would get your attention. I think that would be one because you've been paying close attention to that one. And I don't know, would it be a backup position? Maybe, um, I don't know. Sean Martin on the defensive line is probably a development too, because he was with Dante stills and Jordan Jefferson. And that means that either Martin or stills was playing defensive end. They can't both be tackles. If you have a three man front, right. Um, so one of them was like an edge position. So that probably helped. Yeah, no, that that's the thing that stuck out to me because that that's a beefy, beefy front right there with those three guys. And and Sean Martin is somebody that a capital S um someone told me was having a big summer and they thought would, you know, make that kind of leap from, you know, uh, tertiary contributor to legitimate, you know, playmaker on this defense. They, which when I first heard that, when someone first told me that back in the summer, I thought, okay, you know, maybe he's getting better, but on defensive line, like it's hard to make a leap when you have so much returning at that spot and you're bringing in transfers, you know, you had stills, you have Austin, you have Jefferson, you're bringing in Lockhart, you're bringing in Lawton. It's like, is, is he really capable of making that leap if he has that much of a, I don't want to say it's a log jam there on defensive line, but Hey, he he is living up to the billing as you know one of the best players to come through Southern West Virginia in a long time, and it seems like he's primed to make a big impact on this year's team, and that's what really caught my eye on that two deep that you posted. Is this where we make the joke about All America right tackle Sean Martin? I was thinking left tackle, but you know, hey, whatever. Whichever side you want to go on, wherever he feels more comfortable. But the other side of this is that, um, again, that, that two deep, but we're a weekend, not even full, full pad. was Saturday full pad. Saturday wasn't even full pad. So I don't know how much you could take from that, but it, it means something, I think, is, is, is one way of putting it. And... Um, and Neil Brown said in his press conference, and you wrote about it the other day, the real big evaluation days are coming up, and that might be an opportunity for some guys to make some moves. If you're not familiar with the Sean Martin All-America right tackle joke, um, well, good for you because it's very silly and it's something that people held against me. But there was a time when this coaching staff was here that people thought so highly of Martin's ability just as a football player and athletic kind of presence. He's as big as he is and was still growing in the game. And they thought that his tools were such that if he wanted to, 
he could flip over and play tackle and be really, really good on the offensive line. So that's kind of the clay you're working with there. And he's molded himself to become, as you said, a beefy. I think that was the word. Big um, offensive lineman. Like, he's large. Like, you look at him and, like, I think Taj Austin's a big guy. Martin's big. And Dante Stills is a big guy. Martin's big. So if you can put him in line with those guys and say, boy, he's young, but, man, he looks apart. That's a pretty good development, though, isn't it, Chris? Hey, well, I'm, I'm going to figure out this mute and unmute thing. I'm sorry. It's like going back to the early Zoom days a couple years back. But, yeah, it's a huge, uh, a huge, huge turn of events because what, what is the one thing that we hear from defensive line coaches all the time? Oh, I want, I want nine. I want to rotate nine. I want to rotate ten. Now, you hear them say, I want to rotate nine or ten. You know that's – I mean, maybe they do want to, but you kind of know that's an exaggeration. But, you know – if they say they want to rotate nine or 10, okay, they want to rotate six. And did West Virginia have six real dudes, so to speak, on the defensive line before that? I think it was close, but I think if you have Sean Martin making that leap and being that guy that you're like, hey, this is basically a fourth starter, then you are in a much better spot on the defensive line right now. You want to count to 10 here? <laughs> Do I have to? Do you think they can get to 10? Like, like we can walk through this for a second here and see if it's realistic, but it's a goal they could shoot for. I mean, maybe they only play eight, but maybe like if one of those two of those guys gets hurt, they have 10 available. Like, I think they have enough confidence and at least the capacity to grow um, from a numbers perspective there at defensive line, like quickly too, that if they had to, they could. Like, I don't think it's out of the question. So, like, for example, you're going to have Taj Austin. Going to have Taurus Simmons are going through the roster here. Jalen Thornton's three. Dante Stills is four. Sean Martin's five. Mike Lockhart's six. Hammond Russell's seven. Jordan Jefferson's eight. Ed Vesterinen's nine. Haven't mentioned Zaki Lawton, who yeah. I think is ahead of schedule, like, where they thought he would be at this time of the of his career with West Virginia. That's ten. It's a pretty good development there. Like if he's if if he can go, then they have another guy who can play the middle there too. But that's ten, and it's not a reach. Like they, I think uh, again, maybe Lawton's kind of surprising him a little bit by how quickly he's assimilated and become very comfortable with his surroundings for a guy who really didn't play at all last year. Um, all of a sudden, he's here and he can play, and, and has kind of stood out for, for quite some time now. It's not like this is just a, a first week of camp thing. Um, that's ten names of guys that could reasonably play now. Is a guy like Simmons going to play a lot? Is a guy like Vesterin going to play a lot? Probably not once things get going. Hammond Russell, I don't know. But we haven't even mentioned Braden Dudley, who was kind of a, a regarded redshirt freshman who, who came in last year. And, you know, it's hard for a true freshman to play, but they have a lot of hope for him. It's 11 names. So are they going to get 11? Is Dudley the 11th guy? I don't know. But, like, 10 is not a ridiculous number, I don't think. It's hard to get there, but it's, it's also hard to have a conversation about it when – you're trying to stretch like six or seven to 10. Here you are. You're working with nine, 10, 11, pretty reasonable names. And for, for our listeners that are listening in, feel free to keep posting your questions. I'm seeing them now. Uh, again, figuring this out as we go. And we kind of answered the first one and I'll kind of rapid fire through a couple here with Mike. Um, your boy TP, Tyler Peters, uh, asked who are the coaches most excited about? Uh, name both a veteran who's taking a step and a newcomer who has a chance. 
is Sean Martin the veteran that's taken a step? Is that who we're both going with here? Yeah, I think he's been around long enough now where they kind of count him as a veteran, even though he is kind of a young guy. But that would be the one on defense. Um, offensively, it's it's hard to say right now, but like, would, would Justin Johnson be a veteran? I mean, I think if you've been here for a year, they kind of count you as, as part of the flock. And everything I've seen and heard about him, heard more than I've seen, but I've seen some good things. I think they have pretty high hopes for him on offense this year. So those would be my two quick ones. And, and newcomers, that's kind of difficult. I was surprised to hear like Asani Redwood's name yesterday because you just don't think that a true freshman defensive lineman is going to play. And that would be what the 12th name we talked about here. But he he certainly got some some mention yesterday. The two cornerbacks and, and Rashad Ajay, and I've talked about this in the board for a while, the Rashad Ajay buzz. I believe it's trademark now. Rashad Ajay buzz. That seems to be real. Um, but they like him and I like Wes McCormick a lot. Um, offensively, just not a lot of newcomers, but I like what's there with Jeremiah Aaron. That's a guy who's going to help you on special teams. He's been playing outside receiver when I've been there. He can play inside receiver. I think he's the guy that it might be wise to get the ball in his hands a couple times. If he's got special team skills on offense, what I mean by that is you kind of get in the ball, and then the script goes out the window and he makes something happen because it's a puck return or a kickoff return, but it's actually a, a live snap play, if that makes any sense. If he can put that skill to work on offense, then you, you kind of have a, a game changer, a game breaker right there. And that offense needs some guys who can, you know, take short catches or, or handoffs and turn them into, you know, touchdowns, a threat of touchdowns too. So those would be quick names for me. Interesting note on the Asani Redwood thing, uh, you know, did the updated heights and weights from the official roster. Redwood was listed on his recruiting profile at 240 pounds. Uh, and you look at his film and he's this edge rider type, not quite like a stand up kind of guy, not quite, you know, you're not thinking bandit. You're definitely thinking DN 280 on the official roster arriving at West Virginia, 280 pounds. That's big. It's a big dude that moves for a true freshman. That's a real number too. Yeah. Like um, you look like it too. Something to, to consider here too, Chris theory, you can dismiss it or embrace it up to you. Um, 2020, kind of a weird year. That's not a theory. You can embrace that one. But you were so out of pocket for so long. And West Virginia was kind of young that year, too. Like a lot of like first year players are players who are growing up in the program and it's their first time really at the table. But they're gone, they're separated from the program, and you lose your attachment to like the day to day stuff at the push guard center or, the, or just being in the epicenter of the football facility. And one of those is like the strength and conditioning and the nutrition aspect. And think of like all the weird stories we wrote about people who were like doing workouts with like a stick and two like buckets of cement. Right. <laughs> and that's not a joke. That's what people are doing to try to stay fit. Well, if it's that hard to do weightlifting, if you don't live near a gym where gyms are closed, even so you kind of got to do it on your own. Imagine how difficult it is to really buy into nutrition and, and kind of molding your body, the way you put into it. So, you have guys now who have grown up and really went into a full off season now committed to strength and conditioning and nutrition. And if you look at some of the weight gains that you talked about, it's muscle, it's diet. It's, it's not just like creatine and protein. It's guys who are eating a lot at the right time and also working out a ton too. I think that's one reason you're seeing so many bodies that are bigger and better than they were before is that they got the hang of this now. Like you got guys who were juniors, but they were like kind of lost or rudderless that 2020 season or even guys who were seniors. Maybe it was like their second year in the program, third year in the program, but they were kind of new to the day-to-day -day stuff it required. And if you're not in the facility every day, that whole 
infrastructure they have for nutrition and, and strength and conditioning, it's not going to rub off on you. But now being around for a whole year and kind of getting acclimated to it or even reacclimated to it, and then getting to go around the bases this whole full year this year, I think that's made a pretty big impact on, on what you're seeing as far as like guys' physiques and a lot of the feedback you hear about who's bigger, better, faster, stronger. One down to the next question. Uh, Real McCoy asked, status for St. McLeod. Um, that's something we reported, was that early June, end of May? Um, not currently with the program, not currently expected back, moving on as if it's not happening, but nothing, not officially off the of roster, I don't think. I think he's still listed on the official roster on the website, but again, not expected back um, with the team, at least not anytime soon. Um, uh going on down again hey by the way that was that might have been a vip report and if you if you didn't know about that if you didn't know about some of this stuff that's part of what is behind that vip paywall uh that too deep that we've been talking about that mike laid out <clears throat> beautifully on saturday afternoon the same cloud discussion and news and a whole 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 lot more um is for our vip members right now we're running a 50 percent off promo um Man, hop in for the cost of what, you know, two two people going out to Outback maybe. You might spend more money at Outback than you would on this entire year of VIP coverage, which will cover the entire football season, entire basketball season, entire baseball season, four, five, six different signing days between all the different sports, all of next year's summer recruiting camps and official visits and the start of next year's fall camp so be sure to jump on that i think that either ends at midnight tonight or tomorrow if we can talk them into a little extra time so be sure to jump on that while you still can um, I'm too. the mcleod story is one of those stories that went out there and then our phones rang and said hey can we help you color this in a little bit so um it doesn't hurt to be ahead of things if you have the vip and you want the news before even some other people have the news that's kind of a cool thing kind of freaky though by the way uh i just Literally, I'm not joking around. Got a message from a, a someone that our VIP coverage, our, our, the content that we are providing for VIP is going to get a lot better soon. Um, it, or a lot better. I mean, it, I don't know how much it's much better, but there's something different that no one else has that I've been trying to do. Mike, I was telling you about that. Uh, There's something that I was trying to do. It was getting some yeses, some those. I got a yes and a yes and setting it up currently for this week with somebody that's going to come join and, and really improve and add to the VIP experience for our members. So uh, be on the lookout for that in the next couple of days. And Mike, I'll tell you about it. Once we hop off this very public Twitter space. Um, is it one of the names you gave me already? It is not. It is, it is not one of the names and it is a different sport. So, oh. Oh. yeah. Um, Moving on to the next question, uh, ooh, a recruiting question from John Hellman. Since we lost two commits just in the last week, who are some of the prospects they're looking at or what positions are they looking to fill? I, I don't, John, I don't like the word lost. I don't like the word lost because it, it's not a lost. Um, I mean, there are two solid players, Cam Jackson, Raheem Jeter, but in both instances, that was West Virginia's choice. I think, you know, uh, both players were asked to come up and to camp and to work out in front of the coaches. Jeter did. Uh, I posted that video uh, for all to see. As you can see, Jeter, just physically impressive. An absolute specimen. He can move well with his feet. He has a cannon for his arm. But accuracy is an issue. And I've heard mixed results from people. Um, 
over whether that was always going to be an issue but you could or was it footwork that was causing the accuracy issue and, and you knew that's what it was because again i was standing right there i was at this camp I was, the, I was the only one there, and I see Graham Harrell walk off to the side, out to the separate practice field with two quarterbacks, one in street clothes, Marcus Davila, who was from Texas 2024, maybe one of the top, him and Frankie Weaver, top two QB targets for that class maybe. And then uh, the other was Raheem Jeter, who was in camp uniform, and Harrell just put him repeatedly through footwork drill after footwork drill after footwork drill having him throw the ball and just one-on-one work with him testing it out so and then again a week later not in the class but you can't say West Virginia didn't try you can't say West Virginia didn't do their homework and that's what happened he did his homework on it and decided you know hey I'm not sure it's going to work got a lot of great tools but accuracy and this is something Harold has talked about even before this, like back when he got introduced, back when he talked in the spring, accuracy was his number one thing. And and so that was obviously a sticking point for him. As for what West Virginia does at quarterback now, why rush? Uh, I believe the statistic, it was around 50% of this year's expected starting quarterbacks were transfers. They they were on another team last year. So why, including West, uh, potentially, including West Virginia with JT Daniels. So why rush to add another quarterback, especially a high school quarterback in this class when 95% of the top quarterbacks are already committed. You hang loose. You have three very young and very good quarterbacks in Marchio, Crowder, and Green. You hang out, see what happens with them, see what happens with Daniels this year. Remember, Daniels still has another season. You see who comes available on the transfer market. I know there's one or two, and I put that, again, VIP. That's on the VIP message board, two guys that West Virginia is going to be evaluating um, in the future. But there is no rush for West Virginia to try to sign another quarterback or get a commitment from another quarterback in the next couple months. Um, Moving back down the line, Sean Mulligan. Which is more likely, Mike, a 1,000-yard receiver or a 1,000-yard running back? Receiver. Ooh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you're wrong because this is this seems to me like a, a pass, the pass happy. I don't mean that negatively, pass happy type of offense, but it, it leans pass with Harold. Just didn't know if it might spread out a little bit, and then maybe Mathis takes on the majority of the bulk load in the backfield, and suddenly he's got a thousand yards. I don't know. I don't know. You have to like everything you hear about Bryce Ford Wheaton, which is like maybe the third straight year that you've said something like that. But when like the new offensive coordinator puts his eyes on him and says he has like small receiver skills and a big receiver's body, which means that he can he can run around and make plays with the ball in his hand, never mind go up and get it. Um, you wonder if they unlock something there too. And that's a guy who could have gone somewhere else and I don't think anybody questions his talent physically otherwise too, but hadn't clicked for him before. You know, he's had good numbers. Like if you look at his numbers, like, man, people are down on this guy. Um, I wonder if he's not like a breakthrough candidate in the conference on the team. He'd be better be otherwise the offense won't be what they want it to be. But that's definitely one guy that at the end of the year, you looked at, he had like 1100 yards and eight touchdowns, nine touchdowns. You'd be like, man, he had a good year finally. Uh, and then Sam James, I just, I just, I think it's been like a time for him to reset and he probably has. And there's been a lot that's been happening for him on the roster, change of positions really good a couple years ago. Don't forget that. And 
if everything is in the right spot for him, him as an inside guy that can go vertical should be a lot of fun to watch in this offense. That position is usually pretty active and productive in the Cram Merrill offense. No reason why he wouldn't be able to take off this year. There's two candidates right there. So how many running backs could buy for it? Um, if you believe the Justin Johnson hype, he might cut into some of the Tony Mathis stuff. And there's a lot of questions on Tony Mathis too. This is really his first time like in the front, the front seat. Um, not to say he can't do it, but like, I just think that there's going to be a compulsion to make sure he doesn't have to do it by himself for a while. And if they're successful using two backs and even trying to blend in a third, well, then it ain't broke. So why try to fix it? Whereas the offense, you're probably going to see a consolidation of snaps and just a smaller number of receivers. Next question from Cody Phillips. Is the QB competition real? Neil Brown seems to go out of his way to not mention JT Daniels. Now I'm not big on the conspiracy theory stuff, but I did notice in his press conference Saturday afternoon, he was asked about the quarterbacks. I believe he mentioned Marquio, mentioned Crowder, mentioned Green, and then kind of just ended his answer. And then somebody had in the media there had in the media room there had to follow up with NJT Daniels and asked about him. Mike? It almost seemed like it was assumed, like everybody in the room knew. <laughs> like we we were all in on the joke. Like and then that happened. Like, I, I was there. I, I saw it, and I could kind of chuckle to myself. But it was like we were all in on the joke. But, like, Brown didn't think he had to let us in. You know, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Daniels, yeah, the guy who's going to start. You really need me to go over him. He's been great. Like, that just seemed like a thing to me that was kind of funny. Like, yeah, sure, I'll talk about the guy who's going to start. I would be stunned if it's not Daniels if he's healthy. Um, this is Like, there's, a, <laughs> it, there's just a small, small chance that he gets outperformed by any of the people who are here, not because of talent, but it's because he has a lot of advantages when it comes to knowing what to do in college football, knowing what to do in this offense. And like, it's a guy who's on a mission too. I just, you, you got to believe a lot in his personal motivation. Um, I just don't know the other people have, I don't know, that that impetus to be successful like he does right now. And when you combine that with what he can do, what he has done, that's going to be awfully hard to beat out, which should not be a minus for any of the other three quarterbacks in the roster. Yeah. And he keeps coming out and saying, you know, it's a competition, it's a competition. But there was also something else he noted at Big 12 Media Days was that uh, kind of he doesn't even have to make the decision that the players know. And I guess that's probably pretty true. But on a related note, the players would also know, like, you know, it's just not going to work if you just bring in a guy and anoint him as the starter just like that. Like the players will know that and they want to see it themselves. And I think just bring him in, say it's competition, let the players, let the offense, let the receivers, let the offensive line see it for themselves and they'll know and they'll rally around it and that'll be fine. So, yeah, I think it's it's a competition in so far that everybody's splitting reps and everybody. I mean, Daniels isn't just going to be handed this. He has to actually show it this fall. Like, of course, duh. But, yeah, I mean, I'd be stunned if it wasn't him, of course. The other thing, too, is, well, one. Guys know. If you've listened to our podcast or other site, you've heard that before. Guys know. Um, and that's kind of like what Brown is going on there. Like, it's going to become apparent when the starter is a starter. That's one. Number two, like, if, if you're a receiver on this offense or you're an offensive lineman in this offense, like, who or what is JT Daniels? Like, that's a name, right? But, like, most recently seen on the sideline when Georgia won the national championship, no one is taking away his credentials, whether it was in you know, prep football or college football. But I mean, these guys have seen another guy 
play quarterback at Georgia. So it's not a slam dunk for them. Like, oh my gosh, we got the quarterback from Georgia. He's going to take us to the promised land. No, no, no. So they're going to have a guy who comes in with five stars and all the, all the bona fide days that he had, but they're going to want to see him prove it too. And it's great for everybody, most especially Daniels, if Daniels gets to go out and do that too. So, I mean, he's got a lot to prove, like a lot of people have said too, and that includes himself, but also his new teammates. Cause if you put a guy in there and you just give him the job where he wasn't the starting quarterback as recently as the last couple of games that Georgia played, it's not going to impress anybody. It's not going to make them rally around him. If he comes in and he makes good on his like personal reclamation, yeah, man, teammates are going to really like that. And they're going to say, you know what? He took it seriously. He took all the coaching. He took the competition for what it was supposed to be. And then you got something you can work with there too. So it, it's structured the way it's supposed to be structured. If it's executed the way we think it's going to be executed, like a lot of people think it's going to be executed, they got something to build on easily. All right, let's try to get these last couple questions pretty quick here. Uh, over under a half a block punt by Anthony Del Negro this year. Did I do this? Is this my fault? There, there, there's two. No, excuse me. There's one question and multiple replies to that question already all declaring over. Um, so, yeah, I think you created a monster there, Mike. All right. So the, the TLDR here. Um this, this is a guy who came in in the spring, and when you look at a guy who gets kind of heavily recruited, not heavily recruited, but like specifically focused recruited to be a special teamer, um, you kind of pay attention. And this is a guy who's got a knack for blocking kicks at the FCS level. Can he do it in the FBS level? No idea. But when the first time I was out there, he kept getting close to punts, and I, I just couldn't not note that. Kept getting close. And like the point of the drill was probably that day was probably like, hey, let the punter punt the ball. And he kept getting close. And I thought pulling up. Right. Um, and, and not like 20 reps. It was like four. Um, but he was he was there. And, you know, she's like, wait, a minute, who's 47? Oh, yeah, that's the guy they recruited from Stony Brook to walk on to be a special teamer who has a knack for blocking kicks. So I wrote about uh, Tuesday. No, Thursday. Uh John Chris, uh, <laughs> he blocked a kick <laughs> in Saturday's practice. And like, and Neil Brown was pretty much at his wit's end there because things were not going well with penalties, uh, lining up offsides, wiping out a return. Things were not perfect for him that day. Uh, but here's the guy that they recruited because he's got a knack for blocking kicks. Can he be a guy who really cares about special teams? Because they need to be better on special teams. They do. And if you get a guy who takes pride in it and he knows that's his ticket to playing in the FBS, playing on a Power 5 team, He's going to take it seriously. And then it might be contagious. And you know what? If some guys learn to try on special teams, they might be rewarded. They might like it. And all of a sudden, you may have four or five or 11 guys who want to try on special teams. And all of a sudden, one unit or the entire unit gets better. So this is the guy who can probably help a little bit in that regard. If, it, if it's prolific, great. But he blocks a punt uh, Saturday. He gets right through because that's what he does. Del Negro has blocked a number of kicks, um, field goals, PATs, punts, um, I wonder if he could block a kickoff. That'd be fun. But this is what he does. And he's here and he's doing it. So I wrote about it and then, and then I asked about it because I had to scratch the itch, right? So I asked about it at the news conference Saturday and, and Brown kind of said some very, um, uh, I would say like extinguishing <laughs> sentences to make sure it didn't get out of control for blocking one, one punt in practice against the scout team that Brown quickly admonished and, and asked him, have you ever blocked anybody before? maybe we shouldn't let the hype game train get out of control there, but it's what he does. That's why he's here. And if he's going to be on that first team blocking punts, he knows how to do it. You might expect him to get after one or two this year. Like we're, we're doing the same thing that we do when we record a regular podcast where I say, let's answer this real quick. And then 
we have a 10 minute conversation about a walk on punt block specialist. So let's, uh, I don't want to wrap it up because we got more, we got more questions coming in, but we're going to have to make them faster this time. I'll try uh, rapid fire. Let's go. Uh, from no huddle WVU. Are we just ignoring the CJ Donaldson hype train? I sent you a DM after practice one day. And then I said, they got something with Donaldson, right? Yep. And then that's all anybody's talked about since then. So um, we're not going to ignore it. Um, we're going to get behind it. We'll be the locomotive. There's there's something there. Uh, it's the guy that they said, this guy's not a tight end because the tight end is going to get the ball infrequently. we got to get him more involved. Um, that's extremely promising for a guy who's new to campus. So we're not we're not avoiding it. We, we acknowledge it. No, not avoiding it at all. I think uh, you sent me that, and then I think it was Friday I put out a, what I'm hearing because I reached out to a, another college coach at the power five or yeah power five level that had um or group of five level that had recruited him and asked his thoughts rave reviews again that's on the site vip members and another um a recruiting guy from another college program that had recruited him that just raved about him so i was like almost just like screw position i don't care like it's just not it's not important whatever you call him whatever you want to call him it's not important He's just an athlete because yeah, I said, you know, is he a tight end? I think we had a conversation and it pulled it up when I texted him again to tell him that he, you know, that Donaldson got moved to running back. And the last conversation we had was, Hey, we being 24 seven sports have him listed as a tight end. I keep talking about him like a tight end, but maybe he's an H back. And he just sent me like a 400 word text just admonishing me because it wasn't important. To him, it wasn't important. The things he does are like a receiver, like a slot guy, like a running back, like a tight end, like an H back. It didn't matter to him. And he was like, even even if it doesn't work on an offense, he could go play outside linebacker for them and be one of their best outside linebackers. You know, this guy was really high on him. And it seems that everybody that truly gets after him, truly watches him um, and evaluates him feels the same way. So uh, definitely not ignoring that hype train. Uh Wombo DJ says a certain controversial quote outlet predicted four wins and a one and six start for WVU. Are we closer to that or eight and 10 wins? Mike, this is, it sounds eerily similar when I was going back and looking at last year's uh, stuff. Uh, what did West Virginia start at? They, like two and three. And we said something about, man, they are three plays from being five and oh, but they were also, one one play from being one and four with their only win over an LIU team. So which way are you leaning right now, even though no games have been played? Is this is this game team closer to a one and six start or an eight to ten win team? Those are my options, huh? I would say closer I mean ten is not gonna happen. Nine's not gonna happen. Um I, but I would say they're closer to that than they are being just miserable at the start of the season. Uh we, we went over this. I've broken their schedule down. I like their schedule. Um, Non-conference is tough. Don't get me wrong. But first game of the year, listen, you have a ton of runway for that. So you can make things happen. So can the other team. But you can make things happen. If you do a better job in your preseason, if you have, again, if you can focus like West Virginia has, you're going to be in a really good spot. You can be in an advantageous situation for the start of it. Uh, I know going to lane is tough. But like Tech's got a lot of fires they got to put out before they can get going to. Like they, they're the first year coaching staff this year. 
West Virginia is very familiar with what that's like. If you've been a fan, you saw that a couple of years ago. Those are tough road games, but like, if you're going to put them on a schedule, that's that's okay. Get a, get one with the first year coach. Get one in the first week of the season. Hey, that's fine. Um, and then yeah, you got a conference game a week two. It's the worst team in the conference. So if they're one and six, you know, if they're one and six, Chris, we're going to have to have a spaces here talking about the new head coach, probably, right? I just think yeah. it would be that it would be that bad of a situation because they shouldn't be one and six. Their their talent level and, and all of that, the expectation level that they have created and elevated since does not allow for a one and six start. Um, I'm not sure they're an eight win team. I think you and I both pick seven, but that means they're pretty close, right? So if they're if they're one and six. The conversation totally changes. I think it's to pick one or the other. They're much closer to the eight ten win team. Definitely not a ten win team, but much closer than that to being a disaster at the start of the season. I would think. Absolutely. Uh, yes or no, Lee Koba? Are you buying stock? That's questions from Jacob Prisby. You buying? No, I'm not. I'm not buying it because there's none available. Too high. Don't don't buy this high. What do they say? Buy low, sell high. This, this right. is high as it can possibly be right now. He's going to play a ton of snaps. He might he might play the most snaps on defense if you think about it because you're going to get rotation of the defensive line. Charles Woods will play a lot. I think they'll probably rotate guys in the secondary, but like it's him and really not anybody else at Mike. I know Caden Beiser's there. Tariq Austin Cave is, is coming along, but he's probably a year away from being ready to really contribute. He's the guy they got there right now too, so he'll, he'll play a lot. If he plays well, that middle is going to be an active position from sideline to sideline again. Uh Jay Singh says, Mike Casaza, the best in the biz. That's a terrible take. Uh, Ray Del Mundo asked, any Jake uh, Jacoby Spells news? Haven't heard his name a lot yet. No, I mean, I poked around about a little bit, and, and the response is kind of shoulder shrugs, like nothing bad. I mean, nothing great, but nothing bad. But it's it's hard to be a quarterback right now because, one, they they are really focused on that one spot, and that one spot involves three names. It's Andrew Wilson-Lamp. It's Wes McCormick and it's Rashad Ajay. Um, they went out and they got two transfers who have a lot of experience because they wanted them to play. And and indirectly, that means they did not want to have to rely on a true freshman. That true freshman happens to be spells. And that's just the way it is right now. It's so funny to think about this, but like, here's a guy who was a highly, highly uh, commended recruit. And then all of a sudden, Daryl Porter, Jackie Matthews, Nick Troy Fortune transfer. You're thinking no big deal. They got the four star from South Florida. He'll be fine. Him and Trey Lathan come up together. Gulliver Prep fills out the defensive depth chart. Awesome. Well, guess what? I mean, coaches had different opinions, right? And they said we wanted the experience there. We need to be a veteran secondary, even though we're replacing so many parts. So what we're going to do is hit the portal hard. And what did they do? They came out with two guys who have a lot of experience and that can play. Uh, they would much rather cast a lot with that right now. The trick is, is how do these young players who when you think about it, they're recruited to fill in or start and a quarterback, you can play as a freshman, but what, what do these young players do? Whether it's receivers or quarterbacks or cornerbacks, when in between their signing and their enrollment, they get recruited by the transfer portal. That's the great unknown um, in this very fluid roster management era. My last question, and then we'll wrap it up. From ear eighteen sixty seven, says, "Where are you on the O line hype? Last year it was moderate to bad for majority of the season. Do you believe they can transcend the gab and play at a high level this year?" Um, I am not on it. I'm not on that train until that train passes me, and I gotta be like the hobo who runs alongside the train and tries to catch on. 
Um, I just, I just need to see it happen. That's all. Um, I will say this there, the four from left to right guard, left tackle, to right guard, pretty good. And again, they're in a spot where they're just picking a starter, right tackle. I've heard a lot of good stuff about the way Brandon Yates has come back from injury. And then you can make a case for him that this is his time. And this is a guy who remember he enrolled late, right? He got here right when camp started in 2019 and he played a lot in 2020 and 2021. Chris, you know, this, um, a lot of programs, really good programs, do not want to see an offensive lineman on the field until their third, sometimes fourth year in the program. You know, their redshirt freshman year, their true freshman year, they're developing, they're gaining weight, they're gaining confidence. This is the guy who played as a redshirt freshman, who played as a redshirt sophomore. In a perfect world, you know, maybe your your situation is strong enough and healthy enough where you don't need him until last year or this year. If this is his first or second year in the program, um, or really playing a lot in the program, it might be a different story. So maybe he just had to go through some stuff because they had to have him. But if you kind of give him a blank slate and put him on a side where maybe he's better suited to play the right tackle spot, um, maybe the time is just right for him right now too. So that's that's a lot of if then stuff and that's a lot of projecting and assuming. Who knows? But I think people are pretty optimistic about him responding from injury responding from position change and, and using experience and savvy that he didn't and couldn't have before. Um, that, that's very, you know, palm, palm, foam, finger stuff. I get that. doesn't mean it's wrong. You said four of the five. Those four of the five, again, everybody over from left tackle to right guard this year, not last year. Um, they are five of the top what, seven returners on this year's team. As far as pro football focus grades go, how the scouts view them, how they perform. But more importantly to me is that every, all four of them, all four of those guys, the first six games were meh to bad to, to terrible, at least as far, again, as far as these scouting grades go. And, and honestly, as far as like our eyes, like the eye test goes, I think we, it was kind of the general consensus that they struggled. And in the second half of the season, Again, eye test and these scouting grades, excellent. And I think people forget that just because of the bowl game against Minnesota. But, Mike, would you would you like to take a, a stab at just how good that defensive line was for Minnesota? Oh, we talked about it for two weeks before the game. <laughs> I know, and I, I think everybody was still focused on, on Christmas and, and, and vacation and all that stuff because – that was one of the best defensive lines in the entire country. Did West Virginia's offensive line play well? Not particularly. Not particularly. But they no. also went up against a defensive line that uh, had two NFL draft picks. And then I believe it was a third that was all conference. Like the kid, the, the kid that was too young to be drafted or didn't go to the NFL draft was like an all conference, maybe just honorable mention or something. But again, you're talking two NFLers, a second rounder, an early second rounder, and a fifth rounder on that defensive line. So that that was not a joke. And I think just because of that poor performance in that bowl game, people forget just how good that offensive line had gotten in the second half of the year. Can we go back to Jay Singh's question? <laughs> it's not because it's not a question. It's just a terrible, terrible Twitter take. This this is the problem with Twitter. It takes like revisit it. I thought he made some good points. Well, uh, Mike, do you think this was a successful, well, I guess second Twitter space, because the first Twitter space was not successful. Not at all. No, that was my fault, too. Uh, 
I want to say blindly in the blind because you could see what I couldn't see. But uh, yeah, fine. Um, questions are good. There's there's more to talk about than I could possibly write about. So and also people have better ideas than I do sometimes, or they know what they're thinking, and I can't see inside their heads, which is probably good for everybody. So yeah, I like taking questions. These are good. These are good outlets for me. Yeah, and hey, again, this this is our first time on here. So in, as we move along, I think maybe we'll get more comfortable with. Uh, opening thing opening the floor up and, and hearing your voices um the people that are here you know i see a hundred some people that are in here right now um can hop in here and, and ask their questions with their voice instead of having to type it out um and again we'll see how this works out see how the fans react to it and that'll honestly that'll determine whether or not we keep doing this or or, or sprinkle it in throughout the season we'll do it we'll be back i promise so again, thanks for thanks for chiming in. Thanks for listening. Again, if you're not a VIP member, pop on over to earsports.com. Right up there, bright green, join now. 50% off for an entire year. That, that's 50 bucks for an entire 12-month period. Or you want to try to sample it out for a little less, $1 for 30 days, which will take you through the first game. You can see how we finish up fall camp, how we cover pre, during, and post game. Come check it out. Come join the message board. Uh, and again, really appreciate all of those that are already VIP members as well and look forward to more of your questions. Can I ask one question, Chris? Go for it. Can you explain the Paramount Plus to me? Because I have, this is a long story short, I met someone last night who is, I would say, prominently featured on Paramount Plus. I don't want to blow up the spot. I can explain it to you in a second, but wanted to know about acquiring it because um, he found out who I worked for. Um, is it possible to work with without actually saying their name? Uh, um yeah from mtv uh, well, I, I don't yeah. know if mtv people yeah. Yeah. which is part of paramount but anyways like i know that there can be confusion sometimes among signing up and then getting into the paramount plus network which is awesome by the way but like what's the deal on paramount and vip i should know this i don't yeah. by the way yeah if you're on the promo you can't do the paramount plus for free but if you are paying for the full price again like a month you know it's nine dollars nine ninety nine so say you do the one dollar for that first month and then that second month you're paying 9.99 there's a way to link your account and i will post the the directions uh under this twitter space on our message board it's been on there before and you get free paramount plus however you want to look at it you are either paying 9.99 a month for your sports and getting a free streaming service with it or you're paying 9.99 for a streaming service and you're getting free vip at your sports for it whichever way you want to look at it i don't care if we're the freebie add-on or the main course, um, it's, it's one heck of a good deal uh, for anybody that's a WVU fan. So check it out. It's also infuriating because it comes down to like pennies per story that we write. So enjoy. It makes like me it. angry, but <laughs> oh well. Oh well. All right. Until next time, we'll uh, we'll we'll pop in. We'll do some of our regular podcasts, some of our regular work again. Look out this week because I'm I'm working on setting something up new for our VIP members. And I hope to have it up happening, not up happening uh, later this week, maybe Wednesday. And uh, we'll be sure to let you know. Be excited. Okay.